0: To hacks and jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. and as always, I'm joined by my buddy Scott Chu. Scott, what's going on? We've we have live baseball that we can watch now.
1: We have, we have live baseball. We have, I mean, live baseball, right? <laughs> like I was. I was just today watching uh, Dodgers Padres thinking about, you know, the Tigers are on Mm. Uh, their first game is is coming right up soon. So uh, this is the fun time. We get to see new stuff. We get to overreact to like absolute nothing burgers. But that's what's fun. That's what's fun about this. Oh, this
0: is a great time of year. By the way, we're recording this on Friday night, February 23rd. It's about 834 p.m. as we start the show uh eastern time so in case any news breaks by the time you hear this podcast uh that's that's the reason why is we're recording this on friday night the 23rd and and like you said i mean uh so much news coming out but is it really news you know it's like well what's you know pants gate we have pants Scott. uh the the uh, new uniforms created by fanatics which supposedly aren't even new but the the, the that the pants are see-through or something like that. You know, Um, what what else? What else do we have? We have Yuki Matsui looking like he should be the uh, Padres' closer. Uh, What else? We have a a few little injuries that uh, happened. Kode Senga, Mets' um, starting pitcher. Actually, he was going to be their ace this year. Looks like he's going to end up opening the season on the IL. Um, Jung Ho Lee. Uh, getting uh, minor so- side soreness, Ricky Tiedemann, hamstring. I mean, we're not going to go through all the news because by the time we tell you the news, there's going to be new news. But uh, it's just that kind of year where it's just that kind of time of the year, like you said, where uh, you know it's, it's fun to overreact in a way, right? We've been waiting for like real news to happen, and we're getting some.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the two big pieces of news that happen this time of year that you actually should care about are number one, free agent signings and number two injuries that impact the start of the season. So, you know, like it, it a lot of injuries that happen right now, just unfortunately will affect guys to start the season because we're only like a month away from the start of the regular season. Hmm. So if they're going to miss two weeks, like that could impact their availability on day one. Mm -hmm. right because they it's not just that they need to recover from injury it's that they also need to get warmed up ready to go right they need like that's part of what spring training is for so don't over like don't react too much about it right like if you're if your projections are requiring a guy to play 162 games to really justify where you're drafting him like that's kind of problematic already
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: i think it's more realistic that you know, you should be projecting guys for like 140 to 150 games. Yes, there are some players that we can pretty reliably say like when healthy, they play every single day, right? Like Marcus Semien has been one of those guys, just yeah, an whoop, whoop. absolute volume animal, mm-hmm. right? And that is what solidifies his value. It's what creates a really high floor, but like his ceiling isn't necessarily based on playing 162 games versus 150. Right. The ceiling for Marcus Simeon is based on can he tap into some power that he showed us in years past. So I I don't want folks to just like go totally overboard and be like, oh, they're missing a week or two of the season. I need to move them way down my ranks.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Like maybe a little, sure. But I mean it's not as much as you would think, depending on the type of injury. Missing a month, that's a big deal. But missing like a week or two, like meh, I'm, you know, I'm indifferent to that. Mm-hmm. Especially because early in the season, we also see more games being like spread out, canceled, delayed. Like it's the time of year where you can say like, oh, well, we'll just postpone it. We got a whole season ahead of us.
0: Yeah. Yep. So like I said, I don't really want to talk about a lot of news, but there was one story that I read that kind of resonated with me. And it was just what uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. said. I don't know if you saw this, that he said that he, he played with pain that spans from head to toe. Uh, all, all last year, and uh, I'm just quoting here, I, I didn't have the best preparation in the offseason last year. I didn't work as hard as I did this year. So it's kind of almost like talking about a little self-sabotage, but he came into camp, and, and another big thing that you hear this time of year is, oh, he came into camp in the best shape of his life. Well, uh, Guerrero, actually, you, you know, he he looks noticeably slimmer and in in much better shape, and might as even sort of, I'm going to talk about people that came into camp slimmer. You got to talk about Giancarlo Stanton too, but the, just the the little story about Guerrero because we had talked about him when we did our first base preview. And I don't know is that enough of uh, to to make is that enough of an explanation for him not performing to what we kind of thought he could do. I mean, isn't Weird. every baseball player like in pain all season long?
1: <laughs> I mean in every, a way? everybody over like thirty is <laughs> right right <laughs> but but here's the thing, so like the reason like I totally get that, and that would make a great explanation if he didn't have better stat cast numbers or at least as good of stat cast numbers in twenty twenty three that he did in twenty twenty two and mm. the year was still worse right right so like that's the thing where it's like the the pain and whatever like surely it impacted him, but like He shouldn't have been worse, Hmm. right? Like it doesn't make sense. And it's been quite some time since he's shown us numbers that he could have had since his 2021 breakout. Because even if you say, yep, that's what bugged him in 2023. Well, then what about 2022 when he wasn't anything like 2021? Right. Right. Right? Like, what about that? So with Vlad Guerrero Jr., it's, it's less about like, oh, well, like, okay, so he'll bounce back to 2022. Well, that's not necessarily the number four first baseman.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right.
1: That's not necessarily a top, you know, a top two round draft pick. So with Vlad Jr., it's about you still believe in the upside, right? And being healthy means he can get there. Right. Yeah. If if you believe the reason he couldn't find that in 2023 is because he was injured and in 2022 it was something else, like fine, you can create that narrative. But I'm not so much there. Like I still rank him right. He's my number four first baseman because mm-hmm. I still believe in the high upside. Right. But like it' It it almost makes me feel like I'm a little less on him than others because, like, he did not get 30 home runs. He did not get 80 runs scored. He did not get 95 RBI last season, and he also hit 264. Mm-hmm. And, again, I hear the injury thing, but, like, the StatCast numbers were about the same as the year before. Right. So if right. he had pain, like, wh- where – I would expect to see it there, not just in actual performance. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, still a guy who has a very high floor, not a guy that I'm avoiding in drafts. But, you know, when I hear him say that maybe he didn't work as hard as he should have in the preseason, you know, heading into the 2023 season, that's yeah, a little concerning, I guess. You know, in fact, that he could turn it on and turn it off. And I guess he's yeah, got the have... kind of talent that, you know, he could he could go at 85 percent and still have a very, very good year. Right.
1: Have you ever heard someone say that after they had a good year? <laughs> like I mean, like honestly like if you ever heard someone say i could have worked harder when they yeah. had a good year you only ever hear that when they had a disappointing year because, right because right. like that's revisionist history it's like mm-hmm. oh, i guess i gotta work harder in the offseason that might have helped mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah. i could have worked harder like sure but you wouldn't have cared if you did good right <laughs> right? right like yeah. you never hear a guy like you just don't hear that so so again I'm, i'm i just don't i'm not saying i don't care that Mm -hmm. that happened but it also doesn't really like move me in any way
0: right like i said i I, i'm I'm not avoiding him in drafts but it just you know it stuck out at me at at what he said so um all right so uh, why don't we uh got a lot of second baseman to talk about we're going to talk second base uh last episode uh, we talked uh first base if you want to catch that you can catch that on demand and uh i don't know second base kind of you know kind of top heavy you got like the the top four i guess uh mookie betts ozzy albis marcus Simeon, who you alluded to and and jose altuve i mean you know you really don't have to talk about mookie Betts. basically you know a top five pick in all formats uh second base shortstop outfield eligible depending on your league's rules uh gonna be a leadoff hitter in a very potent lineup um I don't have to sell you on him. Hard hit rate increased last two seasons. His highest uh, hard hit rate last year since his 2018 season. Uh, Maybe the sprint speed is leveling off a little bit. Maybe he won't steal as many bases. Had 14 last year. But, I mean, just far and away the the best option at second base.
1: Yeah, and I think every projection system is too light on the runs scored. This guy scored 126 runs last season. Mm -hmm. and. I feel that he's almost certain to do better, Mm. right? Because the lineup is even better. Like it's disgusting Mm -hmm. what they have in, in Los Angeles. Uh, you sure he's a little slower. Yeah, sure. Maybe he won't hit 307 again, but he showed us that big high walk rate again. Right. So 13.9% walk rate last season. That was a big deal. He had very close to a one-to-one walk to strikeout ratio, which he has showed us in the past back when he you know in the later days of Boston and again he was scoring 129 and 135 runs back then mm-hmm. right like this guy is going to put up just obscene run scores he'll still drive in a ton of runners the the stat production you're going to get is just wild he's been incredibly durable throughout his career i want to say like the uh since 2015 his lowest number of games played is 122 mm. right like this guy he he plays every day it's just going to be assuming he's even close to healthy, even if he goes back down to 30 ish home runs, 30, 30 to 35. Yep. Like this guy's still going to score just so many runs. It's going to come with a lot more RBI than you'd normally see from a leadoff hitter. Like normally those guys are down at like 80 or so. Um, but with just the strength of this lineup overall, and yeah, as it, as it really
0: turns hard. over, yeah, he's going to Betts is going to get his chances. To run, he's going to uh, get run, chances.
1: Yeah. He he had 107 RBI last season. There's no mm-hmm. reason he can't get close to that again. I'm probably mm-hmm. projecting somewhere between like 95 and 100. Yep. Uh, I mean, just all it's all categories. Even if the stolen bases come down, he should, he still should be double digits. You know, yeah. there's part of me that thinks like maybe he won't run as much because the lineup is so good behind him that like just let them hit him around. Mm-hmm. But also it means pitchers can't focus on him at first base. They're too busy trying to get Freddie Freeman and Shohei Otani out. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> so, so I think it all kind of bounced. I mean, this is just an elite hitter. He is a tier of his own and more so than we see in any other position. If there is anywhere where we have one guy truly at the top, of his position. It's Mookie Betts at second base.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yep. Next guy we'll talk about and the next few guys we'll talk about aren't too bad either. We got uh, Ozzy Albies, second baseman for the Braves, uh, Marcus Simeon, second baseman for the Rangers and uh, Jose Altuve, second baseman for the Astros. So Albies finally showed you what he could do when he plays a, a full season, right? Missed 116 games due to injury in 2022. Uh, but last season, 148 games, and uh, Albies, uh hit 33 home runs, 109 RBI, 13 stolen bases, 280 batting average. Um, yeah, you know, um, you look at his his right, his splits against right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching, eh, kind of a little bit of an eye-opener, but batted 391 against the left-handed pitching, 250 against right-handed pitching. So that's something to just to, to, you know, take into consideration. Um, Any concerns with Ozzie Albee's happy to get him, or, uh, you know, of these top four, uh, I mean, obviously you're going to, if you have an opportunity to draft bets, you're going to do it. But uh, do you feel compelled to get one of these next three second basemen based on the strength of the position?
1: Yeah. So second base is sort of interesting in that there's like four guys that I feel really good about. Like they're the ones where I'm like, they're going to finish in the top five. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after that, it's a lot of guys that could finish top five. Right. Right. And there's a very important distinction there. Like the, the type of guy that we are like, for sure, this guy's finishing top five at the position, like Mookie Betts will be the number one second baseman, Mm -hmm. right? Like period. Like, I, I just, I do not see a path to anyone else overtaking Mookie Betts as the number one second baseman. I also think Probably the number two second baseman is either Marcus Semien or Ozzy Albis. Mm-hmm. I'm like pretty sure it's one of those guys. And number three is like the other one and or Jose Altuve, right? um but Like that's that's sort of like the top four at this position. I feel are just really a step ahead of the rest. If you'll remember last season, we had this like cutoff at like five third basemen who were like the third baseman. You got to get them. And then there was like Alex Bregman, and then there was the rest. Like, second base, like, if you want an elite second baseman that is, like, for sure going to finish in a top five at second base position, there are four guys who I am so confident, assuming they play all season, finish in that spot, right? Betts, Albies, Semien, Tube. After that, it's a bit of a crapshoot, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll talk about these guys later. But they all have, like, a lot more warts than these four. right Right. so albies is definitely my number two that's because for the last two seasons that he's been healthy which are 2023 and 2021 uh 30 home runs right like he actually broke out with power 2021 has this horrible start to 2022 before he goes down to injury and we're like well maybe he won't show the 30 home run power again but there it was. In fact, he hit more home runs. He hits 133, or he hits—sorry, not 100. He hit 33 <laughs> home runs. He had 133 runs. homers. Boom, strong. No, he—he uh, he hits Albie's like, man. 33 home runs, 109 yes. RBI. He's right. hitting so so for a little while. Albie's was stuck in this dance with Dansby Swanson, jumping between number two and number six in the lineup for Atlanta. That's gone. This is the number two hitter in Atlanta. Right, Like he is going to hit somewhere in the top four spots in Atlanta. And that means a hundred RBI, like period, like that, that lineup is just going to produce that kind of stuff. Yeah, Uh, He showed us high batting average again. Um, He doesn't walk a ton. Like he, I guess his value drops just a little bit in OBP leagues. Cause he doesn't walk much, but we're going to see tons of plate appearances, not as much as Marcus Simeon, who we'll get to in a bit, but tons of plate appearances, assuming he's healthy, which he has been, Every year except, you know, well, not every year, but we saw 2018 he was healthy, 2019 he's healthy, 2020 he is not, 2021 he is, 2022 he's not, 2023 he is. So if you believe in the alternating thing, which has absolutely no basis in any sort of like actual uh, research or science, then I guess he won't play a full season. But generally speaking, he's been pretty healthy. So I'd say, you know, Ozzy Albies, he's... Definitely my number two. He also steals some bases, you know, 15-ish, right? 13 mm-hmm. last season, maybe a couple more mm-hmm. uh could come, but like that's what he's got, right? In every season that he's been healthy, uh, that 13 is the low mark, right? He had 14 in 2018, 15 in 2019, 20 in 2021. And that's all pre-rule change, right? right? And then he has right. 13 last season. So um should get somewhere in the double digits of stolen bases. 30 home runs seems about right. Tons of you know, tons of production, he's not Mookie bets. Like he's not going to um, completely blow the lid off county stats, but he's going to be really, really good. Like this mm-hmm. is definitely like, I am definitely willing to say like, look, if I don't want to mess around at middle infield or second base, I'm grabbing Ozzie Albies. Right. And the only reason I wouldn't is because for some reason, I mean, the ADP on Albies and Simeon is very close, right? Like they're within about 10 spots of each other usually. So, the only reason you don't take Albies is because there's someone else that has slipped and you want to go scoop up Simeon after.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at what Simeon's done. 162 games played in 2021, 161 in 2022. And last season, another 162 games. <laughs> and and before the pandemic, he played 162 games. So and he and he's, he led off last season. So if you're in a points league, you're going to want to have this guy, you know, because of just the opportunity that he has. And let's face it, 29 home runs last season and 100 RBI for Marcus Simeon. Uh, You know, the 45 home runs in 2021 outlier, obviously. But, you know, he's a 25 to 30 home run guy who'll play every day, and he's not going to kill your batting average.
1: It's really hard to understate the value of 700 plate appearances. All right, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And the thing with Simeon is he gets more than that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so uh, if you take away 2020, the the Mm -hmm. COVID shortened season, Mm -hmm. 2018, 703 played appearances. Yeah. 2019, 747 played appearances. 2021, 724. 2022, 724 again. Mm -hmm. Last season, 753. Right. Like, dude, like, I'm not sure it's really coming across, but like, how few players have 700 played appearances in a season, mm-hmm. right? It's usually about a dozen. It's like a dozen guys every season who get to 700 played appearances. Right. And mm-hmm. like, like, that's just what this guy keeps doing. Right. Like since the start of 2021 post pandemic, Marcus Simeon has 2,201 played appearances. Right. like, no no other player is within sixty. Mm-hmm. no other players within sixty five plate appearances. so basically over the last three seasons, he gets at least twenty more trips to the plate than mm-hmm. anybody else and these right? aren't just like, empty
0: plate appearances too. He's producing he's <laughs> got a
1: hundred home runs over the last three seasons again, mm-hmm. that does count that forty five home run in twenty twenty one but like it's it's not insignificant to point out that he has like <laughs> since twenty twenty one Marcus Semyon has more home runs than Freddie Freeman Mm -hmm. and as many RBI. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like that, that's a number that I think a lot of people just don't realize. Right. Right. As many RBI and more home runs than Freddie Freeman since the start of 2021. So Marcus Simeon ends up being a very good value uh, as you, as you wait. Like, even if again, like he had 25 stolen bases in 2022, Semyon did. I don't expect him to go back to that. But, um, you know, he had 14 last season. I think that sounds about right. You're looking at a guy, like you said, 25 home run, 25 to 30 home runs, mm-hmm. 15 stolen bases. Texas's offense should continue to be pretty darn good. So plenty of runs scored 110, 115. He had 122 last season. Mm-hmm. Maybe doesn't quite get there again, but should get close. 100 RBI last season. Pretty darn good for a leadoff guy. It's hard to project hundred for a leadoff guy, but He's mm-hmm. got 100 RBI in two of the last three seasons. Yep. Uh, yep. He had 83 in the season in between. So, like, there, there's going to be good numbers there. This guy is an all around contributor that kind of, you know, again, Albies is definitely my number two first baseman. If you told me I could wait around and get Semyon, I'd pick Semyon.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, still in his prime. Uh, was just 32 years old last season. Um, and might as well finish off. Uh, with the other member of the top four at the second base position, Jose Altuve, a little bit of a polarizing player. When you look at his max min and in, in ADP, according to NFBC, when I last looked, which uh, right before our, our show went on, uh, his min pick was 16. His max was 121. So in the 12 team league, it's like second round to 11th round. So, uh you, you what, know what in
1: god's name happened there <laughs> right.
0: yeah. there's some uh there's some polarization right there right so yeah, only so
1: yeah go ahead yeah it's, it's injuries mm-hmm. right like injuries have played a big part of of Jose Altuve's career mm-hmm. so since uh 27 like after the 2017 season he has yet to play 150 games right but he still plays a lot right right 137 games in 2018, 124 in 2019, played 48 out of 60, 2020, 146 out of 2021, um, 141 in 2022. It was just last season that he finally dipped down uh, and only played 90 games. It's the first time since 2012 that he didn't play at least, God, I can't check the number, but like that he didn't play at least like 80% of his team's games.
0: And as a Yankee fan, I'm not really an Altuve fan, but you got to give him a little credit because yeah, he fractured his thumb prior to the start of last season, so you can't blame him for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so he only he played still make- hit
1: three eleven. He yeah. slugged five twenty two, mm-hmm. right? Seventeen home, seventeen home runs in ninety games. Um, I, I mean, I you got to project him for about one hundred and forty. But even in one hundred and forty, right? I think that's twenty five home runs. That's nine. You know, ninety runs scored. Probably, you know, who knows exactly how many RBI that is. Like in a leadoff spot, but it should be like eighty. 90 maybe Mm -hmm. um high batting average right like this is a guy who's just really considered it's like a step down from al albies and Semyon because he doesn't play as much
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right like that's really what it is because like per plate appearance he is those guys you just don't get as many plate appearances so especially in shallower leagues where the replacement level is high. I'm willing to take him just maybe a little bit earlier than his NFBC ADP, where replacement level, especially second base, is dismal. And that's a problem, right? Like trying to replace 20 games of Altuve is really hard in a 15-team league where you have a second base and you have a middle infield. But in a 12-team league like on Yahoo, where you have a second base, no middle infield, uh, replacing second base production isn't that hard. Uh, there's plenty of decent options out there for the 20 games or so that you'll have to do that. So uh, I'm willing to be just a little bit more aggressive on it.
0: Yeah. Um, and if you look at the projection models, uh, the bat X and ATC, both have them playing 139 games and they have them hitting. Uh, one has them hitting 23 home runs. The other one has them hitting 24 and all the projection models have them hitting uh, batting somewhere in the two seventies with, Oh, anywhere from 12 to 14 stolen bases. So still fine numbers.
1: And by the way, two seventies is like one of the worst seasons he's had. Yeah. Like they're actually projecting (laughs) like the best batting average projection comes from zips Mm. and it's 277, a full season batting average from Jose Altuve of 277 would be the worst of his career.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He had a 278 in
1: 2021. If you count 2020 where it was only 48 games it was 2.19. I'm willing to throw that out the window. But like the only season in the major leagues that he ended with a batting average of 2.77 or of worse than 2.77 or near it was 2.76 in the 57 games he played his rookie season in 2011. Like 2.77 is wrong. Like I get why the projections are doing that, but it's wrong. He's good he's a this is a 2.80 2.90 hitter every single year. If not 300 which, actually, most of the time, it's 300.
0: Well, Pitcher List expected batting average for him last season was 238. He batted 311, and StatCast expected batting average was 248. So, maybe that's why they're you know, toning down their
1: I, And I get that. I yeah. do. But, actually, every season, this guy outperforms his expected batting <laughs> average by 30 to 50 points. It is
0: true. I'm looking at it. You're right. Because yeah. he's
1: got speed. He Mm -hmm. like his barrel rate is very low, Mm -hmm. right? His hard hit rate is very low. Right. And I understand that I understand like the trepidation they have like, but this guy is always outperforms his expected batting average because of the way he hits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could see him
0: hitting 285 next season, doing it for one
1: season outperforming Mm -hmm. your expected batting average and expected slugging like he did last year for one season, red flag. When you've done it every season of your career, mm-hmm. pretty much, totally different. Yes. Right? Like, this is just something this guy does. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Professional hitter. And uh, he's hurt the Yankees. Believe me, I've I've seen him hit home runs against the Yankees. Uh, not one of my favorite players, of course, as a Yankee fan. But you have to respect what he's done on the field and what he's capable of doing on the field as well. So, um yeah so this would be a good spot for us to take our first break and, and we were talking right before the show scott how i've i've been battling like this cold for like it seems like forever for i've had a cold for like like two weeks it just won't go away so maybe i just need to eat a little better so uh, maybe i need to to focus in and and, and help get help from factor because you know factors delicious ready to eat meals make eating better every day real easy Wherever tomorrow takes you, you be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals that are delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and lots more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The best thing is that Factor provides you with no prep, no mess meals. That's right. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. So head to factormeals.com slash HNJ50 and use code HNJ50 to get 50% off. That's code H&J50 at factormeals.com slash H&J50 to get 50% off. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galena and Scott Chu with you. We're talking about uh, the fantasy baseball second base position. By the way, Scott, um, you and I are both in the TGFBI League, right? The great fantasy baseball invitational that justin mason puts together so it's a 15 team league there's uh, how many leagues are there that make up this it's like there's like at least 400 participants right Uh, it's probably expanded since last year but um each individual league is is uh, a 15 teamer Where, where where are you drafting from
1: I am drafting from the number five spot nice I so, nice nice uh, I actually very intentionally mm-hmm. uh, decided that if I wasn't going to pick first then I was fine picking towards the middle of the first round oh yeah I didn't see just that big of a jump between number two number five and number you know 10 mm-hmm. to be quite frank so Uh, I'd rather just pick in the middle of the round and and be able, I have a better time managing my draft, picking from the middle of a round because I'm a, it lets me be a little more nimble, Mm -hmm. a little more, you know, I, some people love picking on the you know, picking on the ends, right. Get their two picks and go, I hate it. It drives me nuts because I just overthink what guys are going to come back to me and what ones won't. I have a much easier time managing that when there's only going to be like. 10 to 15 picks in between mine yeah to get an idea of what do i want next especially because i'm you know i'm looking at tiers. i'm looking at you know what positions i want to address so i like being able to pick you know every you know i like being able to pick in the middle of each round not waiting too long between my picks it also helps me stay engaged i'm crazy adhd by the time i have to wait for a full round to come all the way back all 30 picks i have no idea what's happening
0: (laughs) so uh, uh these are played on the uh the, the NFBC platform, and they just totally ignored my KDS. Uh, suggest I wanted to pick, you know, like you said, I had, I went five, four, three, two, one, but it gave me pick number 14. So I'm picking 14 out of 15. So I'm picking exactly where you hate to pick from, because like you said, you, you know, this is a, a four hour timer. So I'm going to be just, chomping at the bit waiting all day for people to make their picks. <laughs> you know, and just
1: watch your queue deplete <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. It's a very depressing feeling just being like, look at all these guys I have queued up. None of them are coming back well, to me. <laughs> you know,
0: to be fair, I put them in my queue just in case somebody falls, but I know who's gonna be there for me. You know, I could probably get um Jordan Alvarez and and, and come back with, you know, maybe a, a Garrett Cole. You know, if I wanted to do that, because, but then you see, like, I kind of wanted to focus on offense in, in that league this year, because it seems the past couple of seasons, I've really done well in pitching and struggled with my hitting. But when you're picking from the 14th spot, you know, if you take two hitters, by the time pitchers come back to you, you know, who, who's going to be there for you? I mean, you'll get some, some talent, but you won't get like, like a top, top ace. Like Gaussman will be gone. Cole will be gone, obviously. Uh, So, yeah, you know, it'll be fun. But like you said, now I have to uh, wait all day to make my pick, which is kind of frustrating. But, uh, all right. So, uh, get back to second base. So, who do you want to talk about next? So, we talked about the top tier, right? The top four guys. How about Nico Horner? Second base, shortstop eligible uh, for the Cubbies. Uh, Hisman Max ADP, 25 and 103. Stolen base specialist, but not just a one trick pony. Um, He has a contact rate uh, last season of 88.8%. Good strikeout rate, just 12.1. Hits for batting average. And he he hits uh, towards the top of the lineup. So he's going to contribute in the runs uh, scored category. Had 98 runs scored. So what are you thinking about Nico Horner?
1: Yeah, I mean, so. So Nico you know, obviously takes huge advantage of the the new stolen base rules uh 43 stolen bases last season that's really like where where all the money is he also slugged less than 400 which yeah. actually is about right for him so Nico Horner's a slap hitter he's not trying to drive the ball mm-hmm. right he's trying to get on base which is just fine there's nothing wrong with this type of hitter and it's great that he can also contribute a ton of stolen bases right 43 we're not I I mean I think a lot of projection systems are struggling to deal with just how much more certain guys stole in 2023 versus 2022 Um, and a lot of them are kind of splitting the difference thinking maybe teams will find a better way to deal with base runners and be a little more prepared for them than they were last season. Mm -hmm. Maybe some managers dial back the aggression just a little bit. Either way, I think there's definitely 30 stolen bases here. Oh, no, there's certainly no reason. He can't go back to 40, right? Just remember that the hard cap on Nico Horner home runs is 15. Like it'd be uh, very agree. strange, yes. and that's very strange to that's see That's a get stretch hired too. To
0: uh, and the thing about his stolen bases too is he only got caught seven times as well. So uh, I have a feeling that Craig Council knew uh, Cubs manager is going to let him run wild. But like you said, uh, no real power to speak of. Fifteen would be pushing it too, but I think he could do it. But you, you, you're getting yeah, better. I mean,
1: it's it's hard to do. Well, he's got a career 1.8 percent barrel rate. Right, you just don't <laughs> get a lot of home runs that way.
0: Right, right. Right. Um, all right. So um, next guy that I was going to talk about, and he's been in the news this week, is uh, Matt McClain. He's also second base shortstop eligible for the Reds. Uh, had a very good uh, debut season. I feel that we spoke about him uh, a few podcasts ago, but uh, 90th percentile in sp- uh, sprint speed as per StatCast. Uh, you know, some red flags. Most projection models thinks is batting average. Uh, would have been in the in the 250s. But I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk that, uh, you know, he missed the final month of the 2023 season due to a right oblique strain. And unfortunately now he's going to be sitting out for the first at least week to 10 days of uh, spring training due to the same issue. And I was reading up, he, he said that uh, he took too many batting practice swings too early. He ramped up his uh his prep a little too soon he thought. But uh it is a little concerning that th- the same injury is recurring from last September to now.
1: Yeah, and that just piles on to a couple things that were bothering me. So, he actually is my eighth uh second baseman. So, uh mm-hmm. I have him lower than both projections and uh ADP right now. And it's just a couple of things. Number 1, um, he's not going to hit almost 25% line drives again, like mm-hmm. he did last season that he's never been that kind of hitter. He was that for a short time in the majors, but that's going to come down. That is going to lower his batting average, mm-hmm. right? That 290 batting average. That's not, I think something to kind of look for going forward. That's something he can do for short periods with an elevated line drive rate. Um, but you know, he does have 20 25 home run pop. 15 to 20 uh stolen base speed. Yeah. I think you can do that. The thing is, what also happened with our PLV stats, I'm finally it's it's rolling chart time. I haven't talked about them all the way up till now. It's rolling chart time now. <laughs> Decision value starts out very good and really ends not good. So he, he starts the season in the 75th percentile. He kind of bounces around like uh sort of between the 50th and 70th 75th percentile MLB average kind of thing. And then at the end of the season kind of really takes a dip. He's down to 25th percentile. And then with contact ability, he was never like our metrics suggest he was never that good at making contact, right? Like compared to his peers, based on the types of pitches he saw again, contact ability for pitcher list is not about percentage of the time you made contact. It's how often you were expected to make contact based on the pitches you saw with spin and pitch type and count and uh spin rate and all these kinds of things. So he start, he spends most of the season around the 25th percentile. And by the end of the season, it's like below the 10th percentile. He's, you know, among the worst contact makers in the league. I don't like seeing that towards the end. It makes me worry a little bit about that. Very hard to prove sophomore slump kind of thing that maybe mm-hmm. pitchers were starting to find ways to get McLean to make bad decisions and make, you know, and sort of swing at stuff. Maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, that that troubles me a bit um I I don't like him in his current and you know his current ADP I think that ADP is going to come down because of that injury I think people are going to be worried that that injury had at the end of last season is still bothering him Mm -hmm. that's a problem Mm -hmm. but even without that I was sort of a little down on him so I you know I like Matt McClain as a top 10 second baseman I just can't see him as like a top six seven guy like he's being drafted even my eight was a little bit of addressing like he's got upside but now that I know he's injured, like that eight might have come down to even like nine, ten, eleven. This mm-hmm. is a fairly thick tier. He's he's in my third tier of second baseman. Uh, it goes from eight to fourteen, um, and you know right now he's on the top. He's the first guy in this tier, but it's easy to see him moving to the middle or bottom of this tier.
0: Right, and you know we had talked about the crowded Reds infield. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, it, it's not as crowded because uh noel v Marte uh had a hamstring issue that surfaced uh during his time playing winter ball Uh, so supposedly he's 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 getting better but but that's an issue um so now we heard this week that jonathan india who was signed to a two-year 8.8 million dollar contract basically he's going to be playing all over the place he's going to be a swiss army knife kind of player um he could play second first third left field dh But here we go with another recurring injury because he missed uh, 39 games due to uh, plantar fasciitis last season. And supposedly he's still having that issue right now.
1: Yeah, so plantar fasciitis is something that does linger. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, we we can talk a little bit more about Jonathan India towards the bottom uh, of these rankings. Um, I've got him as number twenty one. I actually love that he'll play all over the place. I think in Yahoo leagues, especially he's going to pick up a ton of eligibilities and that's going to make him like slightly quite a bit more valuable, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, like this is a very, you know, we're worried about playing time in this infield when everyone is healthy and it's very quickly looking like that's never going to be the case. And I think the real winner in all that is none of these guys. It's Christian and on strand who just has such prodigious power. We talked about him when we talked about first base, still Mm -hmm. a big fan of his. I think every time we hear about a guy getting hurt, we are sad, right? Number one, we don't like baseball players being hurt. We want to see every team with all of its best talent all the time because that's what's fun to watch. But when it comes to a guy who could really use an opportunity, however, he gets it. It's Christian Encarnacion strand.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, let's move on. Uh, talk quickly about a guy that we've spoken about before has young Kim uh, supposedly going to be uh, playing some second base. He's also eligible a third and short uh, for the Padres had a breakout season. We talked about him. Um, anything you want to add to what we've spoken about in previous episodes regarding Kim?
1: Yeah. yeah. So with Kim, he is another guy that I am quite a bit lower on than than ADP. Um, And I'm closer to projections I have as my number 12 second baseman. A lot of that is because so much of that value is coming from stolen bases, Mm -hmm. right? Like this guy, he had had 84 runs scored. That's fine, right? That's pretty good. 60 RBI. It's, you know, it's fine. 17 home runs, which is probably towards the top of what this guy can do Mm -hmm. in terms of overall power still only had a 260 batting average right like he's not going to be a guy that hits 280 300 like he did in korea because i mean that just kind of how the korean game goes so you know he's he's someone that if he loses 10 stolen bases his value drops significantly yep right and, and he's you know he did walk more that was interesting so that makes him a bit more valuable than he had been in obp leagues but again it was a one-year spike it's hard to to tell if that's going to keep coming uh this team has lost quite a bit in its lineup with the loss of juan soto so you know it's it's an interesting spot i mean the biggest thing for hacyon kim is going to be do they let him lead off and they should right there's there's no reason they should jerks and profar is no longer here to haunt our nightmares and steal lead off at bats right um and Jake Cronenworth is probably no longer in this consideration. Actually, Jerickson profile is back on the team. But, uh, I was going to uh, say, yeah, yeah, he won't. He He's not a lead off consideration is what yeah. I mean. He's not there to do that. Kim as a lead off hitter is the type who can definitely be a top 10 second baseman. I rank mm-hmm. him a little lower than that. But as a, if you told me, he's definitely the leadoff hitter. Definitely all year. Um, And the lineup will stay healthy, right? Tatis stays healthy. Machado stays healthy. Um, and s- someone in the bottom half of this lineup becomes something between Capusano, Profar, Batten, Azakar, uh, or a lot of the also rands that they have in the like very empty back half of this lineup. Um, if one of those guys can turn out all of a sudden, Young Kim looks like a top 10 second baseman, maybe even better. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a little sketchy, and so I kind of have him at 12th, at the bottom of this same tier as Matt McLean.
0: Hmm. Now, let's also say here, um, we're talking about him as a second baseman because that's what he was being drafted. That's isn't...
1: his fantasy primary position. His right. real primary position is shortstop, and he exactly. likely loses the other eligibility going in uh, going into Next year.
0: Yeah, yeah, because second base this year for the Padres is going to be manned. we found out, by Xander Bogarts right so if you look and i'm going to give a, a shout out to mike kirkland he has this great website mlb lineup uh, trends uh, it's called actually mlb uh very similar to roster resource which we use a lot which is uh sits on uh, fan graphs but um kudos to mike kirkland he does a really good job with this but uh xander Bogarts, supposedly going to be the padre's second baseman this year but because Kim played 101 games at second base, he's being drafted, like you said, at his primary position. But uh, where, where do you, I mean, I guess we could talk about Bogarts when we do shortstop, but we um, should just mention it that, you know, he's going to be allegedly the uh, second baseman every day for the Padres. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And like that does add some depth to the position but I'm not actually sure it changes where I would draft Xander Bogert's Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: right. Like I probably rank him above like a bit above Haseon Kim in terms of this position. I have to double check my ranks, but I'm almost certain that I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, that's cool. And it'll be nice eligibility to have, but it's not enough. I think to change what Bogert's value is overall. And, and that to me is is sort of the important piece of the puzzle there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know Kim is is lower in my rankings than I would expect right now, ADP shows that people prefer Kim to Bogertz uh, and I, I don't think I buy that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's a stolen basis. It's the you know the, the 30 to 40 stolen bases that everyone's anticipating and they're getting fooled by the the power that he showed last year, which Kim is probably not going to reproduce right yeah, and, and
1: i was hedging just in case but like i rank xander bogart's 40 points higher or
2: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: 40 places higher than i do on kim i've mm-hmm. xander Bogarts as my number 53 overall player mm-hmm. as far as second baseman would go that would put him right behind glaber torrents
0: right yeah who i was going to talk about next um you know no secret that i'm a yankee fan um and i'm very high on glaber this year uh Last year, 25 home runs, only 68 RBI, 273 batting average. But we're looking at two straight seasons in which uh, Glaber Torres hit 20 or more home runs and stole at least 10 bases. That 273 batting average was his highest since uh, his 2019 breakout season, which obviously we're going to ignore the power that he had in 2019. he just That was the year of the rabbit ball. But uh, batting average uh, uptick is actually substantiated by uh, his post in the lowest strikeout rate um, and highest contact rate of his career. Strikeout rate was 14.6. His overall contact rate was just under 81. Um, So, And and just a, a personal observation from watching him play every day. Sometimes you get the sense that he loses focus from time to time, but this is his walk here. So I, I'm thinking he's gonna be laser focused because he wants that big contract. <laughs> well,
1: and I loved that that strikeout rate drop. Yeah. Right. This was a guy, I mean, it was never high.
2: This mm-hmm. was the
1: guy whose strikeout rate was around 20, 21%, down to 14.6% last season. If mm-hmm. he's gonna hit 270 again consistently, that's how he's gonna do it. Mm -hmm. right it was something he did when he first came up and then it was kind of down in like the 250 260 range uh and and now it was 273 last season i think that's very doable if he keeps a similar strikeout rate the 25 home runs i mean that that's what glaber torres is he's a 25 home run ish guy yeah Like, like you said 2019 that's out the window but but 25 home runs sounds about right i think this yankee offense will be better so I think that there's room for him to have better than the 90 runs scored and better than the 68 RBI he had last season. He mm-hmm. continues to steal tw- uh, double-digit bases, mm-hmm. right? Three straight seasons now of that. So I think we can keep we can expect that going forward. Uh, yeah, Glaber Torres, very solid second baseman, right? And it is worth noting that as bored as we are, we sort of are with Glaber Torres. He's only 27 years old.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and you forget how highly touted he was as a prospect coming up, you know, Uh, so, and you're right. Uh, He's
1: got that Xander Bogert's feel to him that he's just been around forever, but he's not old.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking that this is going to be a really good season for him. This is kind of like where I like to, you know, if I'm not going to get, you know, uh, a Betts or a Simeon or an Albies, I kind of like this range of, of, of second base with Torres and the next guy that we'll talk about, Keto Marte, um, you know, uh, he was finally healthy last season, had a nice bounce back. Uh, he's got good plate discipline, had a walk rate at about 11, strikeout rate just on the 17, good contact hitter, just around 81% or so. 25 home runs last season for Marte with 82 RBI, uh, eight stolen bases, 276 batting average. You know, I mean, uh, like I said, if I'm waiting on second base and and uh, I wouldn't, be upset if he ended up being my my starting second baseman
1: yeah and if you follow my rankings that's where the value is Mm -hmm. right so I'm pretty much in lockstep with ADP and projections one through five right so that's that was Betts, Albie, Simeon, Altuve, then Horner but after that ADP much prefers McLean than Kim um and that's not what my rankings do, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys are eight and 12, but for my ranking six and seven are Torres and then Marte, mm. right? So it would actually be, you know, if you wanted to count Xander Bogart, he'd go right in between the two. But like, that's to me where the value is. I love scooping up one of these guys. If I wasn't able to grab one of the top, you know, three, four guys, like, you know, it sounds silly to say, well, oh, I couldn't get the top three. So I went with the top six, but like, this is again, where value is that that's very dependable. Right? Mm -hmm. Because like, again, very quickly we start turning into more and more warts, right? There's like one more spot I like to go um, at second base in shallower leagues. If I can't get like a a Torres or Marte who I feel just have really good value to ADP. Um, There's one more guy who's just like a little later on who I keep finding that I scoop up not even because I love him a lot, but because I he just keeps slipping in drafts. But. Uh, if I don't get, you know, if I really don't get a tier three guy, which ends with Cattell Marte, I'm actually mostly willing to just wait it out and go for my very favorite second baseman who we're not going to talk about until we get to rank number 16.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, keep us in suspense. Why don't you? So, um, why don't we talk a little, uh, Bryson Stott again? I feel that we've spoken about him fairly recently, but, um, uh, based on his batting average upside, you know, uh, you know, compared to Haseon Kim, he should be getting drafted ahead of him. But I, I, I think Kim is getting drafted ahead of him uh, because of that multi-position eligibility. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you look at Stott. I, I like Stott. Uh, I think I like him more than you do, if I recall, based on our past conversations. But uh, good pedigree, 300 minor league. uh Batting average, 885 OPS, career minor league. Uh, Really good contact hitter, 86%. But the barrel rate and hard hit rate makes you think that the 15 home runs that he hit last season probably is ceiling for now, you know, not much more than that. Uh, maybe later on as he matures and, and gains some, some some weight or more strength, he could hit upwards of 20. But uh, sprint profile, uh, pro, <laughs> I can't speak, sprint speed profile of 88. So should continue to be a good source of stolen bases. Had 31 last season, only got caught three times. So good season, 280 batting average, 747 OPS. What are your thoughts on uh, Stott?
1: I think the 15 home runs is fine. I think Mm -hmm. you're right. It's a bit of a ceiling. I think the 280 batting average that profiles with the type of hitter we thought he was in the minor leagues. That sounds fine. I think decent counting stats, nothing outrageous, but decent. That all seems right. It's the 31 stolen bases that get me because his entire minor and major league career prior to 2023 was fewer than 31 stolen bases, Mm. right? From 2019 through 2022, he did not have actually anything close Like, you know, 2022 was actually his biggest stolen base year uh, prior. And it was 14,
2: Hmm.
1: right? He had two in the minors and then 12 more in the majors. So like, could he steal 31 stolen bases again? I mean, he's fast enough, but like, man, they have those rules in the minors too. They've had them for a while. Like they've had them for a little while, The dude didn't run like that. Hmm. And most players do not steal more bases in the majors than they did in the minors right the miners are just a much better place to steal bases uh two things sort of that are weird that happen happened with stott is that he steals more bases in the majors but he walks considerably less hmm. in the majors than he did in the minors. Hmm. so he's a weird player so i like stott he's actually a guy i keep drafting despite the fact that i rank him 11th um and uh the nfbc ADP, you know nfbc adp ranks him ninth so like technically i'm a little low on him Um, and i would rather have Marte, who goes at a similar spot but um it all depends on how much you believe in those stolen bases again i think that jump to 31 was dubious Hmm. and i'm projecting more of 20 and that brings him down a little lower in rankings because then you're looking at like a 12 home run 20 stolen base guy and that's quite a bit less exciting than 15 home runs and 30 stolen bases Mm -hmm. um but you know the ratio should be good I think he's a top hundred player. And if the stolen bases are real somehow, um, then he's a possibly a top 50 player, right? Then I'm ranking him too low, but that's the decision you're making. If, if you're really jumping in on Bryson, uh, Bryson Stott, it's because you think that he really is going to keep stealing 25 to 30 bases. Mm
0: -hmm. I do. I I think 20 is too low. 30 might be a little high. I'll go right in the middle 25. I like the fact that uh, he's got that uh, sprint speed profile of 88 and you know, Maybe he's stealing more bases because, I, and you brought up a good point that uh, towards the end of his minor league career, they probably still had these uh, these rules that were advantageous to, to stealing bases or whatnot, but it could also be coaching too. The manager just giving him the green light. Uh, you know, I don't know. So, uh, you know. Uh, next few guys seem to be very similar in production. You got Andres Jimenez, second baseman for the Guardians. You're talking maybe, you know, 15 homer, 30 steel production, Zach Geloff, who I'm interested to hear you talk about because I remember last year you were really down on him, but I read a little article that you had put together for a pitcher list and you seem to be a little bit more optimistic uh, when it came to Geloff and he's got some power and speed too. Uh, and Tyro Estrada, second baseman for the Giants, another guy that could hit, you know, 15 home runs and steal. you know, 20 some odd bases or whatnot. So the next few guys seem to have kind of similar um, production uh, capable, you know, potential we'll say.
1: Yeah. So we'll start with Jimenez who I rank right above Bryson Stott because everything we said about Stott, I believe about Jimenez except the power's a little bit better. Um, He only hit, I mean, he hit, 12 home runs over his last 92 games. Like Jimenez actually starts the season very, very slow. He really picks up in the second half. Uh, he was on a 20 home run, 40 stolen base pace over his final 92 games. Now that's not really a good way to project, but it does show what type of season a guy could have if everything comes together. Uh Jimenez, you know, I, I just think everything I want Stott to do, I think Jimenez can do. Right. Um, except I can get him later. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I'll 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 take that. um You know, it's not much later. I think NFBC ADP has him like about around a half around later. But even at the same pick, it's like Bryson Stott. I can't understand how he got so many bases, and Andres Jimenez. Like I completely understand how he got so many stolen bases. So I feel like he's just a little bit more reliable there. The lineup he's in is not as good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much thinner, but um he gets to bat near the top of it, while Stott doesn't. So I think that kind of offsets that difference. So. Uh, Jimenez versus Stott, I take Jimenez, um, but I, I, you know, it is a bit of a toss up if you look at ADP, um, you know, and, and projections tend to, to favor Jimenez by a bit, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still, it's still close enough. Then, you know, you talk about Giloff. So, so here's the thing about Giloff. I have an article out there and it talks about, you know, it talks about guys I think could break out, right? And there is this path for Gilof where he does much better than I raked him, right? Because what Gilof's got is this weird softball swing. There, there's a good article on Fangraphs about it, but he's got this really flat swing, which is what you see softball players do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Because the ball's coming in from way up. You don't need to like shoot your bat up at it. You can kind of go straight, whatever. So uh his mechanics are really weird, but they also lead to a better line drive rate. Now I don't think it'll be 30% that he had for most of, like, that's what he had for most of last season, 30% line drive rate. There's like one guy that can do, there are two guys that can do that. Their names are Freddie Freeman and Luis Arias. Freeman does it because he's amazing. Arias does it because that's all he's trying to do, right? He only is trying to hit line drives. That's how he does it. So if Gelof turns into that kind of hitter, it takes away from his home runs. It adds to his batting average. Like this is a guy who could do 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases, Mm -hmm. right? Um, the problem is that is that he'll do it in Oakland and he strikes out a lot. So um, if if he can clean that up, I think there's a big step forward for Giloff because the raw skills are very much there. The problem is I don't love the fact that he misses a lot of strikes in the zone. Right, like he got better at it, but um, he still, you know, his his sub, you know, Gil sub 80% zone contact rate. I don't love, but again, these are all things that he can get better at. We did not see much of him. This wasn't necessarily a problem. He had that much in the minors. So if he turns that around, I think he could really take a step forward, but on draft day, I'm a little down on him Mm -hmm. compared to, to some others, but at this range, like this is a lot of guys that are packed close together. So I've got him in this, uh, you know, I've got him in this, this tier that's, you know, in, you know, it's, it's my, my tier four, which has a lot of like guys that are sort of boomer bust. Right. And I rank him slightly ahead of my favorite target at second base. Cause I've got you at 15. And if you'll remember my favorite is 16. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and that, that person is not Tyro Estrada I do rank him 13. Um, he missed 40 games last season. Um, he's got some pop. He's got a bit of speed. He should be near the top of this giants lineup um it's it's a scrappy lineup you know some the but when i wrote this they didn't have jorge soler that really gives them some thump that they were missing uh 15 home runs 25 stolen bases could be there Mm -hmm. county stat totals might be a little hard to to project um health risk keeps him from being ranked a bit higher along with like jimenez or stott but you know i've got him just one tier below that and he is a solid guy he's like a He's one of the, you know, he he's a guy that you can feel okay about in 12-team leagues. You can feel pretty good about him in 15.
0: Mm-hmm. I think we should take a, a real quick break here. And you've been teasing us with who your favorite second baseman is. I have a feeling I know who it is, but uh, we'll talk about him and some other second baseman right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina, you could follow me on... Uh, X, which was formerly Twitter at Joe Galena. You can follow my buddy Scott Chu at if the Chu fits, you can read all his stuff and, and follow the hitter list that he puts together on pitcherlist.com. Uh, so So uh, you've been keeping us in suspense. Can I take a guess before you, you know, you, you tell me who your favorite second. Oh, I'm, sure
1: I'm sure you're going to get it right.
0: Okay. Is it Julian?
1: It is. It's <laughs> Edouard Julian. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so this was a guy that you actually called out, um, mm-hmm. quite a while ago when he came mm-hmm. up last season, uh, and, and he had strikeout problems, mm-hmm. uh, Julianne did when he came up last season, but he figured those out in a hurry by the time Julianne really kind of comes into his own, uh, in last season, he's the best decision maker in the league. We're talking one Soto level decision maker, wow. Edward Julianne, and. The dude can hit fastballs, hits Mm. them hard. He's in the top, you know, he's, he's better than the 75th percentile in the league in terms of power against fastballs. Uh, and he's incredibly patient. You're not going to be able to strike him out by getting him to, to chase. It's just not something that he does. Um, he, he doesn't, he's not quite great at making contact. Uh, he's incredibly selective, but you know, he does sell out just a little bit. So he doesn't have great contact ability based on our metrics. Uh, and breakers and off-speed pitches are still a little bit of a challenge, but that's normal for young players. who had just made their debut because the breakers and off-speed pitches you see in the majors are so different than the minors. We talked about this last season that Mm -hmm. in the minors, you can kind of spit on most breaking balls that you see because they just won't be strikes. And in the majors, that's not the case, Mm -hmm. but I think Julian could be a 20 home run, 90 plus run scored kind of guy. I think the. You know, the, the trade of Polanco really opened up some playing time there for him oh, in yeah. Minnesota. I think mm-hmm. he's their leadoff guy. I think yes. this is going to be a big season for Edward Julian. I think next season we'll be talking about him as a top 12 uh, second baseman. But before we get too far, there is one guy that, um, we haven't talked about yet who I rank quite highly, but who by ADP is down in the range. We're talking about now. And that's Luis Arias. I rank him number nine, uh, Arias is wow. just he's. Arias is a guy who look, um, he's not a fit. I say this very directly in my top, you know, my top 32nd basement article slash top 300 hitters article. He's not a fit for every team build. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, no player loses more value when you move to ODP or to OBP. than Luis Arias, despite the fact he has a high OBP, he actually loses value in those leagues because his batting average is so much better than the pack, uh, that his OBP is good but it's actually, you know, not, not as extremely good compared to his batting average. So, um, you know, if you've drafted a couple guys, who can, who already hit 280, right? Like there's, there's going to be situations where you've already drafted a lot of guys who hit 280, you know, you started out with, started out with a Freddie Freeman. And then, you know, you just, you kept drafting guys with high batting averages, mm-hmm. right? Um, if that's the case right? Then like Arias is basically off your board, right? Like that, because Arias, like that's where his value is. It's all batting average, right? Like you, so you started out, you got, you know, you got Acuna or Freddie Freeman. And then, you know, later on, you, you know, you picked up a, a Michael Harris or a Boba Chet or like you, you, there's like, just like a lot of guys who can do good things with batting average, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but the further you or you know, you already drafted a Nico Horner type, right? Here's the thing. As you go in the draft, there become very few players who can provide you a lot of value at uh like at batting average. And Luisa Reyes is the best, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is the favorite for uh the AL batting title, and projection wise, he generally has the best projected batting average in the league,
2: mm-hmm. right? Wow. Um, yeah.
1: You know it, it as far as value goes like he offers basically double the value of like most other players that ha- provide good batting average mm-hmm. because he gets a ton of plate appearances and he does it with an incredibly high batting average so he provides even extra value there so why you know like when when you've drafted a team early on that maybe wasn't so strong with batting average right mm-hmm. like maybe you started with you know uh I'm trying to think of some good examples here, like Fernando Tatis Jr., Matt Olson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you picked uh, Pete Alonzo is a guy that doesn't oh, yeah. with batting average. Right, right.
0: Uh,
1: Marcus Simeon doesn't provide a ton of value on batting average. Eh,
0: Two seventy, right? yeah. Like,
1: it's, it's it's decent, but mm-hmm. it's it's fairly it's typical, right? right? Or you know, you picked up uh, Adolis Garcia. You picked yes. up God forbid a... Kyle Schwarber. Right, right, um, right. Which I never do. Because... your batting <laughs>
0: average, right?
1: Um. Luis Arias fixes it. Like <laughs> the very few players can provide that much fixing, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, or you know, you had Ellie De La Cruz, someone with just a massive batting average risk to him, mm-hmm. right? Luis Arias, even Francisco Lindor,
0: Francisco Lindor, yeah. he's a
1: Arias yeah, fixes yeah. these problems because the dude can hit like three fifty,
2: right, right.
1: Like it's that much, but like it's. A hundred points higher than other players, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's just unusual to be able to say like I have a, I have an okay hitter and Luisa Ariza is like seventy points better in batting average.
0: Nah, I hear what it, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he so definitely fun. could help a team that you have a, a need for batting average. But it's sometimes it's hard for one player to make that kind of a difference, even though. He's so far ahead of uh, so many players when it comes to projections on his batting average. I mean, the, the guy batted 354 last season. I mean,
1: yeah. 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 I mean, he, he's just that good. So like, yeah. you know, it, it, when you're the favorite for the NL batting title and that's the same division as Ronald Acuna Jr., right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right? That's pretty good.
2: It's like when bad. you're the
1: favorite yeah. of something over Ronald Acuna Jr., that means you're pretty good at something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just Luis Arise again, it, it, not every team needs his services. In fact, there will be, there will be drafts where you take him off your board mm-hmm. because he just, he, the thing he's going to give you, um, you know, just isn't as, isn't as useful. But again, this isn't a one trick pony like an Asturias Ruiz who only gives you stolen bases because with the batting average comes run scored. He does provide some RBI, not a yeah. ton, right? Yeah, run um, scored probably the like run scored's a big
0: one. Seventy plus to, to eighty or so, right? I am looking at uh, Steamer has him for eighty five run scored, ATC has him for seventy five, and uh, looking at the projections anywhere from three sixteen to three twenty three batting average ex- expected, so. You know,
1: in in standard five by five leagues, mm-hmm. Luis Arias was only only provided positive value in one stat. It mm-hmm. was batting average. Everything else was kind of like mostly neutral, except for home runs, which was quite a bit below right. that. Luis Arias finishes the number seven second baseman last season, according to the Fangraphs Auction Calculator, just behind Haseon Kim.
0: Yeah, he had a one thirty two WRC plus, which is shabby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, he actually
1: yeah. was he finished above glaber torres and bryson stott last season Mm -hmm. according to the fan graphs auction calculator because of how much value that batting average brings
0: Mm -hmm. yeah all right fair enough um so let's go from a who's you know i agree with it not Truly a one-trick pony, but doesn't have power, really. Uh, To two guys that do have a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Talk about a couple minutes for Nolan Gorman, second baseman for the Cardinals. Huge power potential. But, you know, strikeouts just always seem to be going to be a problem, right? And uh, there's some batting average risk there. And you got to wonder if, you know, he might lose some playing time to a Brendan Donovan, who, you know... uh, you know, might split some time with him. Who is the uh,
1: opposite of him in like every way.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Donovan can't hit lefties. and Except for the yeah, fact yeah. that
1: they're both left-handed. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they're just completely opposite hitters. Yeah.
0: And then the other guy you want to compare, um, um, uh, you want to compare the Gorman too is a uh, Brandon Lowe. Another guy hits for a lot of power, but he's going to give you some, uh, Batting average risk as well. And he has a, a risk of uh being platoon too, right? Because uh you got Curtis Mead there on the raise. He might he might uh take over for low when they are uh, up against some tough righties.
1: Yeah, so so let's start with Gorman. Um 27 home runs and 119 games, like that's legit. That's the type of power oh, Gorman no has. Mm-hmm. Comes with a 32.3% strikeout rate, uh, over 208 career games just crazy, extreme contact issues, uh, issues against left-handers. He's just, he chases. He actually isn't that good at making contact when he doesn't chase. Uh, So Gorman, he's just, he's got a big problem with that hit tool. Mm -hmm. And until that's fixed, it's hard to consider him like a consistent asset. He'll be a guy that will appear, uh, at the, you know, in the top five, at the position for like two or three weeks at a time. And then we'll kind of fall off the radar again. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's a tough one. I rank him 18th. Brandon Lowe, I rank 25th, but it's not because the skills are that different. It's because Brandon Lowe can't stay healthy. Uh, Brandon Lowe, Brandon Lowe can't stay healthy.
0: Yeah, we should Um, say that. You're right. I I, I think I was. No, you're you're all right.
1: I I have to I I have to think back (laughs) to this commercial they did when they were both on the Rays
2: Mm.
1: where they said their last name over and over again. Nate Lowe, Brandon (laughs) Lowe, Nate Lowe, Brandon Lowe. So, so that's how I get there. Um, but so Brandon Lau, he's got 30 home run pop, but he's inconsistent. He's got a platoon problem and he gets hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. So I love him as a, and I, I feature him in the, you know, sort of a late round target guy, Mm -hmm. right? You want to throw a dart, throw a dart at Brandon, Brandon Lau who can hit 30 home runs Mm -hmm. and is on a pretty good team. And if he's hitting consistently, it's a team that wants him to play every day. He just hasn't given them a reason to. Right. Um. So. So I like that as like a late round dart throw. Uh. As big ceiling you know, with the high ceiling, and then if it doesn't, you know, if he's kind of crappy two or three weeks into the season, just cut him in a twelve team league. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So I like him as a dart throw there. Um. But you know, I rank Gorman higher because he's got. You know, he actually has more power than that. It's just I really worry that it, it's going to come with so much negative that it's not going to matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And you know uh, when you talk about Lau, uh. Curtis Mead, you know, he's got some, you know, he's a a guy that could really fill in. Uh, He's got a good uh, minor league uh, pedigree. You know, he could hit both righty and lefty uh, pitching well. At least he did while he was in the minor league. So it's not like uh, if Brandon Lau does slump, you know, um, that they – the race don't have someone that they could slip in, uh, you know, instead of him, but Hey, should we talk about Jackson holiday or talk about him when we do short stops? Because I thought I heard something that, uh, he might be playing some second base, uh, yeah, so for the we'll, Orioles.
1: We'll talk about him when we do shortstop, cause he's yeah. not going to have that eligibility on draft day. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's someone, he's someone interesting that our, our own, you know, our own prospect experts, uh, Matt Heckman, has has an interesting position on him versus uh, another young shortstop who has a more difficult path to playing time.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So look forward to that. I'm full
1: of teasers today, Joe. There you go. I, just, okay. I can't stop.
0: Vaughn Grissom is somebody that we spoke about uh, in a few episodes ago. He uh, has a hamstring issue, but uh, he's slated to be the Red Sox's starting second baseman this season. So uh, we talked about him. You know, decent. Batting average, probably 270, 280 range, maybe, you know, 10 to 12, maybe 14 home runs. A bunch of balls he's going to hit off that green monster. I I like him, but obviously, he has a little bit of a hamstring issue. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. But
1: uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about him a little bit on the shortstop episode, too, because he's another guy that won't have the second base eligibility to start. mm -hmm. But um, I I actually talked about him on the inaugural podcast with uh, Sarah Sanchez and. Mm Uh, Shelly Verstraight that we recorded during um that we recorded during our our big event that yeah, the name what? keeps uh, pitchcon. You, yeah, me, I kept trying to say pitcher list, and I was like, no, that's what we are. The pitchcon. Damn. I I I did a great episode with them. And the thing about Von Grissom is that for 12 team leagues, he's just too boring.
2: Mm.
1: Like he doesn't have enough power, he doesn't have enough speed, he just got some batting average, but not like Luis Araya's batting average. It's more like Nico Horner batting average with just ten home runs and ten steals, right? So that becomes a, and batting towards like the bottom of a not so good Red Sox lineup means limited runs scored, limited RBI. It's all too boring. He's I think he's going to be a useful player in deeper middle, formats, middle
0: infielder. Yeah, infielder like I think yeah.
1: dependable one, but like mm-hmm. not anything exciting. Like does right. not it's not like an upside play that we usually think about with young players,
0: right? Um, yeah, so there's only a few other players we could talk about if you want, but I know one guy I'd like to hear your take on, uh, is Colt Keith is how much uh, playing time is he going to get for the Tigers this year?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Colt Keith is the starting second baseman for Detroit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, now talk about a good,
0: talk about a good minor league pedigree, right? I mean,
1: Yeah. I mean, this uh guy, I mean, just, just kept shooting up. Um, he kept shooting up the prospect rankings, like the more he played, mm-hmm. uh, they, they like him a lot. Obviously in Detroit, uh, I did a fun podcast with, um, the guys at the Detroit free press mm-hmm. about tigers hitters and, and our PLV stuff. So, so that was a lot of fun, but, uh, you, know, the, I don't rank him that high because there's just a lot of risk there uh for a 12 team league and again that's what my rankings are are tailored to is is 12 team leagues so i just think there's a lot of other gambles you can take and then you look at colt keith as like a a very late round pick mm-hmm. right like oh, yeah. cuz especially because in a lot of 12 team leagues you just can't afford to roster that many bench hitters and you'll likely have a better second baseman um than than keith right away but so i rank him inside my top 150 players I rank him uh, 142. He actually doesn't have. He's yet another guy that just doesn't quite have that second base eligibility on draft day. Mm-hmm. Even though that's his position, he has third base eligibility because that was his primary position um, in in the minors. Uh, for some context, uh, in my second base rankings, if he was second base eligible, he would be ranked. Let me go double check where that other player is. Um, he would be ranked. Twenty-second between Jonathan India and Jeff McNeil. Hmm, okay, yeah, you know
0: we don't we don't talk about a guy like McNeil, but uh, you know he's a serviceable second baseman. I mean, this guy won his batting title not too long ago.
1: Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's like Luis Arias Light.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: right. Um, who's a bit better for OBP?
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. he's he's fine again 12 teamer it's it's hard to use him for a very long time because he just he doesn't do enough like that he he has a good batting average but he loses 30 or 40 points to Arias
2: hmm.
1: and that's a lot <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. that that makes a big deal so he's more of a stopgap you know, I like him in those 15 teamers because he's also got that outfield eligibility. So the fact that you can slide in between middle infield and the back of your outfield is very useful,
2: mm-hmm. uh, especially
1: maybe in like a draft and hold format or something like that, that kind of versatility and dependability is, is very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it, he sort of goes at the same time in the draft as like a, a Brandon Lau. So you know, he's sort of a fun, he's sort of a fun player to compare. in that if you're just shooting for upside, like maybe in a shallower league, or you already have, like, you're just going for your bench or something like that, like you go with Brandon Lau over Jeff McNeil, even though I rank Lau lower than McNeil, mm-hmm. but when you need safety, when you need a guy who's actually gonna, who you need to come into your roster once in a while, that's when you go with Jeff McNeil, because he's going to provide some positive value while he's in your roster. Whereas Brandon Lau very well might not.
0: Hmm. Okay. Uh, By the way, I was looking at Cole Keith's uh, minor league numbers in three seasons, 300, 382, 512, and with an OPS of 894, so pretty good triple slash. Um, We're getting to the end of the podcast. Um, Any interest in some of these uh, deep sleepers at the second base position? Guys like, you know, Davis Schneider, uh, you know, Jordan, no, uh, Jordan Westberg. He's got a good power bat no. for the Orioles. Um, uh, uh, we'll talk about Rangifo, uh, I guess maybe when should we talk about Rangifo? because he's gonna, he he might uh, be uh, leading off for the Angels and he's second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, um, eligible. So I don't know when do you want to talk about it. What, what position?
1: <laughs> We're not going to talk about him much, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about it.
0: All right, all right. Um, I, I think the, the players. players- Go ahead, you could,
2: you could oh, sorry, yeah so
1: that. a couple of players that we did not discuss that I think are, are worthy of some discussion in Yahoo Leagues Christopher Morell will carry that uh, second base eligibility the home room. run so on friday
0: on- everyone's excited yes
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he looks like he's going to be a primary third baseman, even though he's not that good at any fielding position, but we'll talk about him a little bit more third base, but he ranks 14th. That's right above Zach Mm Geloff. Um, we didn't talk about Trevor story, Trevor story. I ranked 17th. That's right after Julianne, right before Nolan Gorman. The problem with, with story is like, sure. He could hit 20 home runs, steal 25 bases. Uh, and also like, there's almost no chance he plays 140 games. This guy just cannot stay healthy. Strikeouts have been a big problem ever since he came to the Red Sox. and, and you know it's not like i expect him to suddenly be healthy going forward so mm-hmm. uh big health risk there jorge polanco interesting that he's with seattle now uh but injuries have have really limited him for two straight seasons the power is there like he could be a 25 home run hitter with with good ratios no but doubt. he just can't he just can't stay healthy enough to do it um i don't see how going to seattle changes how healthy you are but hey maybe it will um it would have been like bigger to project health if it was like they used to, like the the twins used to play in like on Astro (laughs) turf. It's Mm -hmm. like that made guys hurt, but now they play on like regular grass. So it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, not -hmm. really an issue there. Uh, Brandon Drury talked about a bit in first base. I rank him 20th. He's underrated in batting average formats. Um, don't look at him in OBP. Uh, but you know, he's underrated in, in those. And, um, you know, Gavin Lux is back. Not sure anyone really ought to care, but, uh, 15 home runs, 10 steals. Like, That is sort of like Vaughn. Like he's kind of like Vaughn Grissom, Mm -hmm. except he's in L.A., so maybe that's better.
0: Yeah, he's part of a real potent lineup. And wasn't he like pretty uh, like a a top
1: five prospect? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I guess injuries just did him in, right? And Yeah, and and 273
1: very average games.
0: Yeah, I was going to say in his own ineptitude. Yeah,
1: Yeah, not ineptitude, just average. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, all right. So good stuff. So um, I guess for starting from now, we're going to be on every week, Scott. Uh, March 4th, uh, Monday will be um, our next episode and we'll talk shortstop. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of other news uh, as spring training really gets ramped up. So it's been a lot of fun talking baseball. Uh, been a fun week just, you know, getting all this news and actually getting to see highlights and some games. It's it's great that baseball's back.
1: Yeah, and we're ramping up. We've got some tout drafts coming up. Oh, yes. Uh, mid, Mid-March, yeah. So yeah. we'll actually – we'll be doing a podcast that comes out on the 18th. Um, we should probably do that one on uh, that Sunday night after we have both had our drafts. So, are you –
0: Are because you dra- I'm drafting, uh, yeah, uh, March 17th. Saturday. The morning. So I'm drafting Sunday. So I guess we're going to have to record that Sunday night, yeah.
1: Yeah, sure. well, and I'm drafting on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'll be in that 15-team mixed again, so, so that'll be a lot of fun. Do you so, plan on doing lot-
0: that uh, – Marathon drive like you did last year or are you going to actually actually
1: I am I am thinking I'm going to drive I'm just not going to do it straight through the night <laughs> wanting to die right
0: <laughs> okay Well, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you at the festivities but yeah so that'd be fun yeah My God but-
1: Joe we might even be able to do it like together Nah, no, <laughs> no, nah, we don't have
0: to do that. But we could, we could. Yeah, we, we could. really could. We'll talk about it between now and then. Uh, We're not going
1: to probably do that, but we could.
0: Yes. I yes. just
1: want it out there that we could have. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I won't have my mic or any of my things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that could be a problem. That, that definitely yeah, could be a problem. Yes.
1: I'll just yell. I'll just yell from the other side of the room, and your <laughs> mic will pick it up. It'll be great. <laughs> All
0: right. So follow this man. Uh, it's a great follow on X. Uh, at if the chew fits. You could follow me at Joe Galina. And as always, we uh, hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And
2: we'll see you next time.